Amen. Happy Monday, all. Do you get, hey, do you guys remember the day uh, when you got school off on President's Day? Do you guys remember that? I think we should uh, ask President Scogan to have that rule come back. All right. Petitions will be in the back. You can sign those on the way out. So, hey, we got some visitors today. Welcome, uh, juniors or seniors. Way to go. Whether you're from Lansing or from Texas, we are so glad you're here. And our prayer would be, as you uh, go about today in classes and talk to different folks, to say, uh, Lord, is this the place I'm supposed to be? And if it is, let it be. And if it's somewhere else, let it be as well. We want you to grow uh, during these four years of college. These are significant years. So we hope you come back. Hey, uh, one quick announcement. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, we have a leadership uh, info meeting. If you're interested, as you saw the different folks leading worship, we have three different worship teams, all led by students. If you're interested in saying, how can I be a part of it, you can do that. Or being a small group Bible study leader or immersion spring break trip leader. If you're interested in any of those, come out tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right here, one hour. We know it's a busy time. All right, I'm done with announcements. I'm going to introduce you to Keith Reynolds. Keith Reynolds, a uh, local pastor, but currently is on staff with Western Seminary in the admissions office. What else do I need to know? What do they need to know about you? You got six children. What are you doing, man? Six uh, children. Come on, baby. I don't know if I can ask that question, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Would you welcome Keith Reynolds to the pulpit tonight? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I do. I probably think the, probably the most important thing that distinguishes me is not so much what I've done and do professionally, but it is the fact that I am married to my absolute best friend who is not here. Her name is Leanne Marie Reynolds, and I do have six children. That's not hyperbole. That's an actual fact. So if you, if you are the praying type, pray for me, because sometimes it just gets, it gets real for a brother, all right? <laughs> so... I don't have a whole lot of time and I have a whole lot to say. And so what I'm going to try to do is uh, communicate a word that I think will encourage you and sufficiently challenge you. And so uh, I've organized my thoughts around a passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew 16 verses 13 through 20. I'm going to read that, share a little bit, and then I'm going to pray. And then you all will go to class or continue your visit, those of you who are here to visit. So Matthew 16 reads, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, this is really important, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Father, I pray that you would maximize our time. I'm keenly aware that little is much when it's placed in your hands. And so these few moments that are presented to you called the chapel service, may you make it. May you use this time uh, to make an indelible impression on our hearts and our minds to help us to continue to be uh, centered on you in the way in which we live and navigate life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> A wise man by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe uh, said once um, that abuse is inevitable when you do not know the purpose of a thing. 
That proverb, if you will, <clears throat> applies to everything from inanimate objects to our individual lives. What Miles Monroe is getting at is when you don't know what the purpose of a thing is, you can use it for ways and, and means that violate the design of it. And that's one thing when we're referring to inanimate objects like screwdrivers and hammers, of which I have no skills which with to use them. Um, there are consequences when you use a screwdriver to do what only a hammer does and vice versa. But the consequences when we don't know the purpose of our own life are far more consequential and far-reaching. And I just want to share with you today that I do believe that God has something to say about who you are and who you are to be. Something about uh, the way that you allow yourself to be defined by Jesus will alter the trajectory of your life, permanently ruining you for mediocrity and mediocre living. And the question is, how is that transacted? And there's all kinds of suggestions that are out there, primarily born of secular humanists, that help you to realize who you are and what you are caused to do and caused to be. And all kinds of metrics and data are used to determine your value relative to this thing called life and professionalism. How smart you are, what's your GPA, how big you are, how fast you are, um, how well you can articulate your thoughts, somehow gets at what you were ultimately called to do and to be. And I just want to suggest that some of that information is accurate. It's not all in vain. Your acumen in the classroom can be leveraged to do some incredible things, but the real truth of who you are can only be detected um, by the naked eye to a small degree. Who you are and what you're called to be can only be discerned so much by what I can actually see. I can see that you are really good with coordinating your outfits. Some of you are fashionistas. Some of you, not so much. <laughs> All right. I can tell that you are committed to being hygienically correct by the way in which you take care of yourself. I ain't trying to talk about nobody. All right. But some of this stuff I can detect. I can tell that you are good with abstract stuff based on how you perform in the classroom. But I cannot determine your hopes and your futures and your destiny because that's the invisible stuff that lurks beneath the surface of your flesh. And that's the stuff that doesn't often come up in conversation when you're trying to get a sense of who you are. And I'm not a reductionist, and I don't want to simplify a very complex situation, but I do want to submit to you that knowing what you are, who you are, and what you are called to do in life does not have to be as complex as we make it. And I say that because of what we can deduce from this scene or episode in Scripture. So much is being said, and again, I don't have a whole lot of time to communicate it. But here in this interaction with Jesus, uh, Peter comes to this conclusion, and it's the right conclusion that Jesus is more than a religious iconic figure. That he is more than a purveyor of good thoughts, wise sayings. That he is not a prophet reborn. He is, in fact, the Messiah. He is the ultimate deliverer. He's the one. He is the ultimate X factor. He delivers us from sin and its painful residual ramifications. He's also the one that sets us free from the monotony and the machinery of life. You are the Messiah is what, 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 what Peter says. And obviously, this is born of his experience in having walked with Jesus and seeing how he lives his life. He begins to realize, not because he graduated or he mastered the text, but by way of revelation, that this cat is, in fact, the real deal. And Jesus responds, I'm going to put it contemporarily, he says, boy, You got it. Now, this is a very important question. One gospel writer records that Jesus, before he asked the question, he's praying essentially saying, they've got to see me for who I really am. 
Because the determination of this small group called the church and its legacy and its impact heavily depends on them seeing me as not just as a cool cat, a wise person, but the Messiah, God in flesh. And so Jesus says to Peter, you got it. And then he says something. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't get it because you memorized the text. You didn't get it because of sound logical reasoning. God revealed it to you. And because you now see who I am, I'm going to reappraise you and tell you who you are. He says, Simon, which literally means in the Greek, pebble. This is who Simon had come to understand himself to be, born of his lived out experiences in a contemporary society. And all of us know what that's like. Because of what you've did, people are quick to tell you this is who you are. You're a good athlete. You're really smart. But some of us live in the, we begin at some point to realize just how suffocating that is. Because you all know intuitively that you're more than what you do. But there aren't too many outlets where you can honestly confess that. Because the assumption is if you are good, do what you're good at. And if you're not good, try to separate yourself from the things that you don't do well. And so Jesus says to him, you are no longer Cephas, Simon, a little pebble. You are now Peter, Peter, Petros, the rock. And I'm not talking about the guy that wrestles. (laughs) And based on that, I'm going to give you opportunity to open up the gates of heaven for a motley bunch of people that are soon to come in that you do not know. Here's the simple point, friends. I encourage you to not allow yourself to be defined along the lines of your social interactions merely. It is a clue as to who you are and what you are called to be. Don't treat it with uh, contempt. Hold it, but be curious about who you are ultimately called to be because if you don't answer that question or if that question is not answered, you will forever be a question mark personified living and asking people to define you. And you will start to encounter painfully what Dr. Miles Monroe says. Abuse is inevitable when you don't know the purpose of the thing. And so I encourage you to stand under the gaze of your Father in heaven. How do you do that? One, by getting into his word. Genesis to Revelation is not just ink on thin sheets of paper. It's not just incredible stories and a narrative from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There is life in them, their words. Whatever God says is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will separate pretense from your life if you let it. And it will expose the vain imaginations that you have of yourself and of reality. Stand under the gaze of Scripture. Encounter something of the the, the presence of God sensibly in the form of your community. Your friends, though they get on your nerves, is sometimes God's provision to help you understand more about who he is and also who you are. And also, don't fill up your time with so much stuff. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Dallas Willard, says that we have to ruthlessly assault hurry from our life. We are always quick to go from one thing to the next thing, and if we don't have something to do, we want to fill it up with a thing. Sometimes the best thing to do is to sit in silence. If you can't be comfortable with who you are and who you are to be, how do you expect someone else to be? 
And sometimes that frenetic energy, which is really common, especially high school students, you're coming to college. Those of you who are in college, you know college can be very frenetic in terms of its pace. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Point I'm simply making is this. Just because you don't know what to do in your discretionary times, let that be an invitation to stand under the gaze of your, the all-loving eyes of your father. And as you do, what's going to get washed off of you is the pretense and the superficial things of this life. And what will be renewed is a clearer sense of who you were called to be. Peter didn't get it right always. He continued to live into what it meant to be the rock. You read about his life, it didn't, get, it didn't change instantly in that moment. But he continued to grapple with what it meant to be who God imagined him to be. I offer that to you as a word of encouragement and grace. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for these moments that we've had this morning. And I pray, God, that these young men and women who number amongst some of your most combustible agents for good, that they would allow themselves to be known by you and allow you to define and distinguish them as not just people who have utilitarian value, but sons and daughters of the God most high called to do amazing and righteous things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.